Check. No, check no, one. no, no. You guys, check just one. now, Ellen asked me what I was doing, and I was like, oh, I'm just doing what you do and looking up YouTube videos of the babushka lady. Ellen goes, who's the babushka lady? First of all, you were talking about Katherine Heigl and YouTube. <laughs> you were talking about seven different things at uh-huh. once, and you can't put wait, that on me wait, when wait, I lose track it, of your story. You guys, is there any chance that Katherine Heigl is the babushka lady? Did we just solve the JFK assassination or what? Bow. Hi, Ellen Marsh. <laughs> Hi, Patricia. Oh, We're my... remote. This I know. stinks. We're like back in 2020, you guys. We're freaked out. Hey, guess what I found out today? I just read a study that came out of the UK that if you get your booster, the vaccines are 75% effective against the Omicron variant for people who get all three shots. Get your third shot, everybody. Okay. Oh, are you anti-getting your third shot? Yes, I'm anti-vax. <laughs> I am. Let's talk about that. Yes, let's let's spin that narrative today. How about it? Let's you go. Guys, I'm ready. You guys, if you want more of this nonsense, join Ellen and me on our Patreon every month. You get three full ad-free bonus episodes. What else you get, girl? What do they get? Um... <laughs> ad-free versions of these episodes. You get our undying love. You get first crack at our merch, and you get first crack at anything that we do that's extra. Wait, they get first crack at live show, and yeah. Chicago sold out in our pre-sale. That is true. That pre-sale audience in Chicago oh. and Atlanta, for that yeah. matter, was lit. I we were so excited. <laughs> also, join our Facebook group, you guys. There's almost 30,000 people in there. It's the Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group. Where are you going to find your true crime best friends? Ellen and I are in there all the time. Sometimes we just go live. I'm learning the Snapchat filters. You never know where I'm going to pop up. You guys also on our Instagram, which is the Disappeared Pod, yeah. um, we have a besties circle. And you guys, the other night, someone taught Patrick how to use Snapchat. And yeah. it wasn't yeah. me. No, it was my seven-year-old daughter. And you guys, she thinks she's hilarious. I am so funny. And I don't funny. mean Daisy. Yeah. I mean Patricia. You guys, don't encourage him. Stop DMing me. It's not funny. Stop encouraging him. All right, you guys. Season six, episode seven, it's called Missing in the Mountains, tells the story of the disappearance of Amy Rowe Bechtel. A vibrant young couple just starting out. They were emerging into a new life. A sudden disappearance. It was just such a shock that a person with so much life could uh, vanish. The search for her consumes a small western town. This is the state of Wyoming. Things like this don't happen here. When no trace of her is found, suspicion falls on those closest to her. At that point, we need to investigate this as if a crime has occurred, because it probably has. But as the mystery deepens, a community must come to terms with dangers that lurk within. I'm sure she had never run into a serious danger in all those times she was running alone up in those mountains. So why would this one day be different? Now, immediately when I hear this title, I'm like, missing in the mountains. I know. Christ. We're going to the mountains. You know, yesterday uh, I actually looked up YouTube videos to learn how to do a Boston accent so I could rival Sharon. I got 30 seconds in. I was like, this is too much work. I can't do you this. You guys, this is the gag. He's from Boston. Like, this is, I, I can't write this shit. Like, I know. He is from Boston. 
nothing. You are a masshole. It's true. Wait, the first thing they tell us in this episode, they say, it was another spectacular day in Landor, Wyoming. And I was in a real bad mood when I was watching this. And I wrote, can everyone settle down? The world is on fire. Nothing is that great. Also, happy holidays. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lander, Wyoming, which is 150 miles away from the Grand Tetons. And I just said, hee, 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 hee. So I, I said, you guys, I thought the Grand, they say it's 100 miles southeast of the Grand Teton National Park, to which I said, I thought Grand Teton National Park was what 25-year-old called your boobs. <laughs> oh, you worked hard on that. You, I, I'm going to appreciate your dedication on that. That was adorable. (laughs) Tell them them what I texted you. You guys, wait, I'm going to read it word for word. Patrick said, I just wrote the most amazing boob joke. So, and I said, really bringing your A game, huh? (laughs) Come on, Grand Tetons National Park. You're not going to let a gay with a best girlfriend with big boobies. I'm not going to write a joke about that. Is anyone still listening? They've all, it's, we got, we got 30 seconds out of them today. Oh my God. Lander is one of the best kept secrets in the country. We sit a mile above sea level. We have uh, a population of around uh, 7,000 people in the city limits and another 5,000 in the surrounding area. The first person we meet is a journalist. We talked to a, a lot of journalists. His name is Bill Sniffin. He his writes name, for. Did you get his last name, Bill no, Sniffin? I said. Yeah. <laughs> no. I said reporter Bill. He writes for Outside Magazine, which I actually Outside Magazine is what John Krakauer writes for. John Krakauer wrote Under the Banner of Heaven, and he wrote Into the Wild. It's actually a very cool magazine. But like this guy looks like me, and Outside Magazine is not asking me to write for them anytime soon. If you know what I mean. <laughs> you guys, you forget Patrick used to be a huge book nerd. Yeah. He, you used to read more than anyone I know. Outside Magazine also has a great podcast. The Outside podcast is a really really good podcast yeah why don't you send them to other podcasts on our podcast that's a great idea but wait can i tell you what (laughs) reporter bill says he says he wants us to know that lander is one of the best kept secrets in the entire country to which i said i thought i asked everyone to settle down also happy holidays (laughs) (laughs) well he said it was exquisite and i was like i've never heard of it i'm sure it's lovely but i've never heard of it not as exquisite as think your Grand Tetons National Parks are. Do you know what I mean? You guys laugh again or else he's just going to keep doing it. So wherever you are right now, just laugh. Even if it's a pity laugh, uh-huh. just give it to me right I'll now. I'll take your pity laugh. Good job. Thank you. 24-year-old Amy Rowe Bechtel and her new husband, 27-year-old Steve Bechtel, moved to Lander two years earlier. They both work part-time at a local sporting goods store and are excited to have the day off. Three days earlier, Amy and Steve closed on a new home about a mile from the center of town. And Amy has a lot to do. So this is where we meet 24-year-old Amy Rowe Bechtel and her husband, 27-year-old Steve Bechtel. They moved to Lander two years earlier. They both work part-time at a local sporting goods store, to which I said, must be cheap to live in Lander. And then not but two seconds later, Christopher tells us they bought a house. They must not drink a lot. All my house buying money went to booze in my 20s and 30s. I was like, I have some follow-up questions. Number one, what are we doing wrong? And number two, we could work part-time and still buy a house in different parts of the country. So my first question still stands. Yeah. What are we doing wrong? I I work 182 hours a day. I know. And I live in New Jersey. Yeah. And the other thing, too, that we learn is that Amy, on this day, the day she goes missing, she's got a lot to do getting the house ready, to which I said, I guess none of that was Steve's responsibility. (laughs) Yeah. 
said the same thing. Amy's getting so, all the utilities wait. set up while Steve yep. goes rock climbing? Yeah, so the woman's getting shit done and right. the dude is climbing rocks. And Christopher okay. tells us if she gets all of her chores done, she gets to go for a run, you guys. I said, what kind of life is that? I mean, honestly, she's out there like churning butter. She's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm almost done on the prairie. And if I finish like, my butter churn and I still get to go exercise. We also yeah. learned that she's organizing a 10K road race that's going to happen in a few months. I said, Amy and I don't have a lot in common. <laughs> no. Attractive and athletic, Amy and Steve had met as undergraduates at the University of Wyoming in Laramie five years earlier. Amy, the youngest of four, grew up in Jackson and Douglas, Wyoming, where her father was the city administrator. Amy was a very bright young girl, though quiet and goal-oriented. As a family, we are truly connected to, to the West and, and, and the places we lived. And we didn't realize that at the time growing up. We just knew that we were outside all the time. So we get their backstory and we learned that Steve and Amy met at the University of Wyoming in Laramie. And I wanted to know if you wanted to talk about Lamry for 35 minutes. Oh, the Laramie Project, you guys. That's where Matthew Shepard was murdered in 1998. Google the Laramie Project. The Laramie Project in general was very, very near and dear to Patrick. Yeah. He had the brainchild to do this reading. Tell them about the reading real fast. So Matthew Shepard was murdered in Laramie in 1998. The Tectonic Theater Project in New York City decided they were going to go out to Laramie and interview the people who had been there when Matthew he was murdered. Some of his friends, people in the town, and they turned that into a documentary style play and it's fucking genius. And it's called The Laramie Project. It's called The Laramie Project. HBO made a movie out of it. You can still see it. It's so good. Go watch it if you haven't. It's all about how like one town reacts to like a hate crime slash murder. But one of the people they interviewed was a woman named Romaine Patterson who was Matthew's best friend. I ended up meeting Romaine in New York and she and I became good friends and I helped her write her book about her life and sort of her friendship with Matthew and creating this like amazing work of activism that she she did. And so for the five-year anniversary of Matthew's murder, we did a staged reading of the Laramie Project with Romaine playing herself for the very first time. Romaine played herself. It was so powerful. Yeah. It was a beautiful, beautiful, I mean, it is a beautiful piece. It lives on. But having Romaine play herself was truly magical. As soon as I saw Laramie, I just know that that like means a lot. Yeah. Can you tell them the name of your book? Oh, it was called The Whole World Was Watching Living in the Light of Matthew Shepard. And you literally wrote it in your So letter. wait, I want to get back to Amy and Steve's backstory here because we're told when they met in college Christopher says athletic and attractive they met at the University of Wyoming and I said strong sixes don't stand very much of a chance exhausted and mediocre looking Patrick oh stop I was like athletic and attractive oh god (laughs) we also learned that Amy was the youngest of four and her dad was a city administrator what's that job I have no idea I re- Nor me. <laughs> because um, I didn't have a dad, so I don't have any experience with dad shops. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, my dad was a fucking crook. I yeah. did have a dad, and he was a crook, and he committed tax evasion. So, bow, bow, right. bow, bow, We just leave. In high school, at the urging of a friend whose father was the track coach, Amy took up running. She started out slow, but soon blossomed into a fierce competitor. I don't necessarily think she was a natural. But you know what? She persevered and she was dedicated to doing what she wanted to do and doing it very well. We learned that Amy took up track in high school. But and she wasn't I, real good at it. <laughs> no, no, but this is so great. So she wasn't really good at it. 
Which, let me tell you, so my brother Joe and I were super, super Oh, good, another athletic. story. Great, great. No, no, no. Great. But John wasn't. My brother John was not super athletic and had to work really, really hard, like, to be as athletic as me and Joe, and he ended up being better than the both of us. <laughs> hard work pays off. That was my little hard work pays off moment in the sun. You know All right, what? you can Shut have up. it. No, okay, okay, fine. No, she becomes a star, and when she goes to the University of Wyoming at Laramie, she sets the school record for women's 3,000 meters and I said what's the point of running again what what why do we do that how far is 3,000 meters, babe? Oh, honey, 3,000 meters is the distance between here and Posh, my favorite bar. That's how I have to measure these things. Nah, here it's in three like th- two miles. <laughs> no, like, no, that's not true. How many feet are in a mile? 3,000 meters is like two miles, like 1.8 miles. How many feet are in a mile? We're talking meters, honey. I, I'm just asking you if you know the answer to this question. I don't because, know how many, how many feet are yes, in a mile. I have no idea. 5,280. I'm going to Google that. Hold on one second. Okay, great. Da, na, na, da, na, na, na. How many feet are in a mile? 5,280. How'd you know that? <laughs> well, okay. But I'm telling you, 3,000 meters is like almost two miles. I swear it is. That's amazing. Why are we fighting about this? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I don't know what's happening either. Because you were saying, no, it's not. Anyway. All right. In the, the point is they're running far. Okay? Uh-huh. So... In 1996, she goes to Boston for the marathon. Remember Marathon Monday? You guys, our school closed down on Marathon Monday. We didn't have school. She ran the Boston Marathon. That's a very hard to qualify for. Both of my sisters have run the Boston Marathon, and it's one of the tougher ones to get into. It's amazing. It is such an awesome day to be in Boston on Marathon Monday. But she finished in three hours, eight minutes, which was only 41 minutes behind the woman's overall winner. Do you know what the global average for women is? For marathons, what the global average is? Uh Uh-uh. Four hours and 42 minutes. And she did it in three hours, eight minutes. She was fast. She's a runner. She's a track star. Uh, Listen, all I'm saying is that, like, to point out that she was only 40 minutes behind the winner is amazing. 40 minutes is a long time, girl. (laughs) (gasps) But you know what? When you're farther back, you get stuck in the crowd. Also, babe, we would never do that. I know. No. 40 minutes is a long time. I'm just saying. Okay. Show some respect. Okay. (laughs) After graduation... Amy and Steve moved to Lander, a mecca for rock climbers and outdoor enthusiasts. We have some very unusual mountains, and Lander has spawned some of the best climbing uh, people in the country. One of those climbers was Todd Skinner, a world-renowned free climber. Todd and his wife, Amy Whistler, rented a cottage to Amy and Steve on Lucky Lane, home to a number of other climbers. Lander is a mecca for outdoor enthusiasts. I went, ew. You guys, if I ever go missing, you don't need to search that town. I didn't go there. <laughs> no. I did not Where go there. Where could he be? Not Wyoming. No. Just cross that off yeah. the map. He couldn't find it on the map even he's if not you there. asked because he yeah. doesn't know states. No. Nope. he's not there. Yeah. We also learn that this Lander is the home of Tom Skinner, who's a famous free climber, did you say whatever Tom that or is. Todd? Todd. You're right. It's Todd. <laughs> we learn that. Boop. Give me a boop, Jennifer. <laughs> Thank you. So, Tom Skinner was nope. a famous... Nope. <laughs> I took my medicine and everything. I took Adderall right before we started. Oh, Jennifer, give us the boobs. Oh, okay. Jennifer, give me a boob. Okay. Todd Skinner. Yeah. Can I have applause? Yeah. <laughs> was a famous free climber yeah. who owned the home that Amy and Steve rented. And what street was it on? I have no idea. Lucky Lane. <laughs> 
I didn't appreciate that. <laughs> so it's Thursday, July 24th, 1997. It's 1.30 p.m. We're back where we started. And so Amy's gone off to run all the errands and do all the hard stuff so that Steve could sleep in. And, and she's, climb rocks. And climb rocks. She stops by the local camera shop because she needs a frame for a photo that she's entering into a contest. And I actually did some side googing. Apparently she was a really amazing photographer. Oh my God. And they tell us, Steve has a more relaxed plan for the day. Let the women do the work over there with Amy. Yep. Steve, take a load off. <laughs> Go climb some rocks. Hang out. She's going to do all the work. He's like, yeah, that was my plan. When Steve returns around 4 p.m., Amy isn't home. He got home at 3.34 and Amy wasn't there. Hey, I'm back. Didn't think much of it at the time that Amy was gone because she runs. But after a couple of hours, Amy. it starts to nag at Steve that she hasn't shown up. About 6 o'clock, he started to get a little worried because usually she's home by then. He was getting a little concerned because she's never done anything like this before. But wait, we're told that Steve and a friend drive out to a place called Dubois, which is like 90 minutes away, to go hike a rock wall or whatever. Is that what you do? And I was like, I hope you have a better alibi than this, sis, because this is not going to be enough for me. Do you think he did it? I don't know. I'm not counting him out. Okay. Yeah, and that guy Todd and his wife Amy drop by. They invite him to go to a movie. He's like, "Uh, my wife isn't home yet. I'm going to stay here. And then he calls... Amy's mom and this is the first time we hear the mom talk about Steve and you definitely get the sense that she doesn't like him because she's like put off by the phone call like in general yeah and so he's like you guys go to the movies I'm gonna wait here I'm gonna make some calls this house looks great though looks like Amy cleaned up she she made food too that's great anyway um, I'm gonna sit here and do all that so Mama Joanne was like no I haven't seen her so Now we're fast forwarding all the way to 11 p.m. And Todd and Amy come back from the movie and... Amy still wasn't home. So down between Todd hang on and a Amy. I got a question about this because like Todd and Amy who own the house that Steve and Amy are living in are just like stopping by on the way home to their house to say goodnight? Well, no. Okay. They're skipping the story. I okay. mean, <laughs> they left it they left it in kind of like a weird situation. He's like, I've had heard from my wife. No, I'm not going to go to the movies with you. I'm going to stay here and make some calls. So they probably were like, cool, we'll swing by. I'm sure she'll be here. Yeah. They swing by and they were just like, hey, what's going on? And you know what I mean? I think yeah. they were just being something I know it's hard for you to really kind of like absorb the kindness and Uh generosity Uh towards your fellow man but that's what they were doing oh my god Uh, yeah you know what fair criticism (laughs) they jumped in the car and said let's go find Amy the Skinners head out toward the mountains where they all know Amy liked to train Steve stays home and calls the police the Skinners search along the loop road that leads into the Shoshone National Forest about 20 miles outside of town. As they reach a remote area called Burnt Gulch, way up in the higher elevations, the Skinners make a promising discovery. Amy's white station wagon is parked by the side of the road. They drive to, like, the known route that Amy likes to jog, and it's 20 miles out of town. It's a super remote area, and it's fucking 11 o'clock at night, and they find Amy's car. It's crazy. Right. And I I just have, like, this big note. I'm like, do not touch anything. And then I'm like, oh, God, they immediately get in the car. They immediately open the door. What's in here? (laughs) So Todd calls Steve to tell 
him. And we learn that Steve then grabs lanterns, flashlights, and sleeping bags to head up to that mountain. So what I learned today was apparently there are people in the world who just have those things on hand and don't need to buy them in a panic on Amazon when a friend invites them camping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm kidding. I've never been camping. Wait, no, I have been camping. Wait, where was the last place that I camped? Do you know where I camped? You know. No. Uh, but it sounds Last like you want to tell us. No, 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 no. <laughs> you tell me where I famously camped. Famously. I don't know. Famously. I don't know. Africa. Yeah. It, see, it's, we... it was definitely a story you wanted the listeners to know. Wow. So you admit you wanted people to know. When I said I hadn't camped, I realized I had camped. I was making a joke about camping, but I have camped. You guys, she's I so mad. Like... The Grand Tetons <laughs> are just all a flutter. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I going off topic? <laughs> I'll get notes about it later. The last time Amy was seen that we called a confirmed sighting where somebody could positively identify her was in the camera shop. And that was, I believe, early in the afternoon. Amy's husband, Steve, and some friends searched through the night. Her brother, Nels, and other family members raced to land her to help. And I got up to the mountain, and it's like literally, you know, two or three hours into it, I'm like realizing, this is scary. This is a a much different situation than I had originally thought. They know her car is there, so they immediately think she's in the woods and injured. I also love we get, like, a brief side where Brother Nels comes to join the search on the mountain. He's like, yeah. I just made the note, it's not for him. He was in the I woods know. for 45 seconds, and all of a sudden he was like, it was scary in there. I didn't like it. It was dark. <laughs> My feet are wet. Poor Nels. Like, he loves his sister, and he's working so hard, but, like, he doesn't want to do the ground searching. He's so sweet. Yeah. So the family is there through the night. Night, the Fremont County Sheriff takes their sweet little time and they come the next day. Yeah. And the family's like, is she injured? Has she been attacked by an animal? We don't know. Cops immediately jump to eaten by mountain lion. That's like their yeah. first thought. <laughs> so they're like, well, she's probably in there. She's probably been eaten by a mountain lion. That's the first thing so, they think. Write that down. Mountain <laughs> lion. Very possible. But wait, I've got a monologue here. Can I monologue for a second? Oh, my God, please. Are you going to monologue about the search and rescue? Yes. Lander's a great place to get lost because uh, we, we have, by far, the, the best, most dedicated, most well-trained search and rescue people that assist the sheriff's office. And they do it often, and they do it well. Go. These people in this town are like going on and on and on about their search and rescue and how it's the best in the world and no one's better than them. To which I said, that's not a thing I think we should be bragging about. If you live in a place where you need that, where you have so much need for people to be searched out and rescued, <laughs> you got a bigger problem, Lansing or Langer right. or whatever the fuck your, your town is called. Like, you need better signs. Well, he also- I love that they're like, we are amazing at searching and rescuing. <laughs> Guys, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. Too many people are going missing in your town, okay? Too many people. There's always 7,000 of you. So I'm pretty sure someone is going to notice when you don't show up for church. Maybe yeah. they could implement some kind of like a buddy system or something. Sure. I mean, it doesn't seem insurmountable. Or maybe people could just stop wandering into the woods for no reason. Go on your yeah. jogs. Go on your hikes. Stop wandering into the woods in the middle of fucking nowhere. And I'm not blaming the victim here. I don't think that's what happened to Amy but also like it is really an amazing thing that if people do go missing that people know how to go find them I applaud that don't be psyched when it happens so often in your town that yours are the best <laughs> that's a whole different problem the well and often yeah. is definitely yeah. the words that threw me there yeah 
We no, are I so good at this. That this happens all the time here. You know what? People yeah. go missing here all the time. It's been a good opportunity for us to perfect the art of searching and rescuing. Well, you know, they say like, what is it? Like Virginia ham, uh-huh. Idaho potatoes, Florida oranges, yeah. Wyoming search and rescue. Right. It's <laughs> it's what they say. Because I've seen at it. At one point, like the mom is like, this is Wyoming. Things like this don't happen here. And I'm like, well, mom, it seems like it happens here all the time. Oh, it seems it's- like It seems like it's never not happening here. You know what I mean? <laughs> It is always happening. It's, it's so true. Yeah. So we meet another journalist who also, his name happens to be Brian. I have no idea why there's so many journalists in this episode. I, but I know. But he talks with big pauses in between each word, so it's a little confusing because <laughs> he says, you can't throw a stick without hitting someone that isn't a mountain expert. And I was like, could you? <laughs> It was it's, all very it's confusing. It's the thing where I behind love- the camera, they've got their finger up and they're like, they're doing that thing where yeah. they're like, is he going to, yeah. what? They're like jerking their Finish. head like, is he, what, where's it? You can't throw a stick without hitting someone. <laughs> so he tells us about all the experts. They have mountain experts, cave experts, yeah. horseback riding experts. It seems to be a very high expert to person ratio in this town. Yeah. And there's only 7,000 people, remember. It's just crazy. Investigators discover what appears to be a helpful clue. On the bottom of Amy's to-do list, found on the passenger seat of her car, are milepost descriptions of landmarks along the Loop Road in the National Forest. Her notes seem to confirm that Amy was up there mapping the route for the 10K race she was planning. There is also no sign of a struggle or an attack. They also say there doesn't seem to be any sign of a struggle. Like, there's no blood in the car, there's no broken glass, there's no broken window. Sometimes in episodes, this is where they're like, so we're not going to look for her anymore. Thank God it didn't go that way. Like, I always say, why does it have to be on the victim to fucking kick out the window in order to get the cops to go look for them? They're missing. Can't that be enough? You know what I mean? They didn't make their missingness big enough, so we just missed it. We missed the missingness. (laughs) I'm just saying it should not be on the victim to have to create a sign of a struggle. If you got a gun Anya, do what the guy says. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's so true. So Mama Joanne says, she's so sweet. She's like, I don't know. I just thought she fell and got hurt. I know. She's doing the me. She's like, she cannot, and she says as much, like she cannot fathom the idea that something tragic has happened to Amy. She just can't get there. And I totally understand that. So the day goes and there's hundreds of volunteers and searchers. They go 20 square miles, which is a lot of miles because yeah. usually they only go three. Wait, and- I just wanted to say, I know, I was thinking of you when they said that, but they also in this moment introduced the sheriff who was put in, in charge of the case. The guy's got a headshot. Did you see? Wait, you mean Detective Dave King who yes. got the black and white yes. semi-gloss 1980s yes. headshot with the Tom Selleck mustache oh my and God. a kick-ass cowboy hat? It's unreal. But here's the thing about the headshot. This is a full-on glamour shot, you guys. Yeah. Now, it looks like he's wearing a cowboy hat and a sheriff's outfit it looks like the cowboy hat is part of the sheriff outfit which goes back to something that i have recently said which is that the sheriffs always get their the best hats yeah and so like if i had to choose like a branch of the police to be in it would definitely be the sheriffs because they also have a lot of like well 
they have a lot of leniency and creativity with their hats. Like, no two sheriff's hats are alike. I just don't understand. Well, like, as a podcaster, I begrudgingly get headshots because I understand that I, I actually need them. As a right. sheriff, I can understand if you need, like, that military-style picture with the flag in the background right. or whatever. This is the full-on headshot. This. this is a guy, yeah, he's, like, lying on a log with, like, his yeah. arm with his head tilted in, like, a sexy pose. And I'm like, Sheriff, why you need that? Also, how did ID get that? I know. <laughs> he had to have been. They were like, we're just going to use this um, picture from your ID. He's like, yeah. you know what? I got a better one. <laughs> Grace, bring me my headshot for the ID people. No, the, the horizontal one. Yeah. The horizontal one. Yeah, I got a better picture for you. One second. The, lady, the lady's going to bring me my headshot. You got it? Yeah, oh, my God. The semi-gloss, 8 by 10 Thanks, baby. He also says, this Detective King goes, we had to investigate this as though a crime has occurred, because it probably has. <laughs> <laughs> Police set up roadblocks at the top and bottom of the Loop Road, hoping to find witnesses. They also work to establish a timeline of Amy's day. What we start doing is interviewing friends, uh, family members, everybody that knew Amy, everybody that saw Amy. The next day, 25 agents from the FBI offices in Casper and Denver arrived to assist the investigation. We were able to organize teams, go out to interviews. We started knocking on doors and talking to people all over the country. They sent 25 FBI agents from Casper and Denver to come to assist. A lot of agents. Yeah. And, the, you know, the family continues to hang posters and the family, oh, what? tell them what the family does. I they're putting it. up, like, pictures of her and signs and yellow ribbons and they're just... Yellow they're, ribbons. They're crying and they're sad and after 10 days, the search and rescue team, like, calls off the search. Essentially. And they're like, this is when the mom is like, this is when I realized that, like, something really bad could actually have happened here. Yeah, and Mama Joanne, she is distraught. She's really, really sad throughout this this whole interview. And she says, this is the state of Wyoming. Things like that don't happen here. Which I was like, and can was you like, rewind this episode about 15 minutes? Because you're going to see yeah, it happens like, here all the time. But also, do you, and it's it's not even close to the safest state in the United States. Do you know what the safest state in the, statistically in the United States is? Take a good, good guess. I'm going to say like Washington. No, Vermont. Oh, yeah. And do you know what the second is? What? Maine! <laughs> no, and they were saying like this area, this town was they like people think it's a quiet, nice mountain town, but it's like yeah. there is a crime rate there. And they said there had been a series of break-ins and rapes the year before, and the year before that, a teenager had gotten shot in a parking lot. Like nowhere is safe. As investigators press on, a few clues begin to emerge. A local couple tells police that they were driving on the Loop Road on the afternoon Amy disappeared and believe they passed a slim blonde in black shorts running fast. The sheriff's office and FBI begin to consider various possibilities. Could Amy have been abducted by a mountain man? Was she struck in the head and suffering from amnesia? Or was she the victim of a hit and run? But no hard evidence supporting those theories is found. The investigation kind of draws to a close and they do have a couple leads and then Christopher tells us maybe she was abducted by a mountain man. So wait, I was like, is a fucking mountain man, is that like a real thing? They say a mountain man, like that's a thing we should know about. Like in the LA episode when they were talking about the celery diet as though that's like a regular thing. I was like a right. mountain man and they actually like shot a, like a scene of a, a mountain man with it like leaning against a tree watching her job. Do scary men just live in the woods? I don't, we don't go there. Okay. So I don't, <laughs> Ha, 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 ha. 
I don't know. I just want to like, know. I'm, I'm assuming that's a hypothetical. I'm, I, okay. I will get DMs about it. Like a mountain man will probably DM me and be like, right. I am totally. an actual mountain man. I am a mountain man. Yes, I exist. This is what I'm talking about. Not only, like when people ask me, I said this at a Q&A at one of our live shows. People are like, why do you hate camping so much? And I was like, well, because when you're going into the woods, that is inevitably in the opposite direction of going towards the bar. So that's one reason. There's Bigfoot. You know, that's my number two. And right. number three, now I've got to think about fucking mountain men. There's yeah. mountain men? Yeah, nobody nobody needs that kind of negativity in their life. No. <laughs> so we're here with former Sheriff Dave King, you know, the one who's, he's still rocking the Tom Selleck mustache. He's got the headshot. He just looks a little, yeah, it's like faded in the background. Yeah. <laughs> so they say they start to look at the husband because statistically it's the husband. Authorities' suspicions of Amy's husband, Steve Bechtel, are heightened when they interview a local hiker who says she saw a blue pickup truck speed by her on the Loop Road on the day Amy disappeared. The description matches Steve's truck, and the hiker says she saw a man driving and a blonde woman in the passenger seat. Steve had told investigators repeatedly that he'd been climbing near Dubois with Sam Leitner that day. The friend also confirmed that Steve had done that, but. We couldn't substantiate anything other than, yeah, he's probably gone that day. His alibi is that he was mountain climbing with a friend. Now, in order, for, like, if he did this, the friend would have to be in on it. And I don't know why that totally. friend would be. But I'm like, there's got to exactly be. It. I know this is 98 and there's not maybe the best surveillance camera everywhere. Give me a fucking receipt. Give me a credit card transaction. Yeah. Give me something to prove that your alibi is real. Yeah. Every story's got some holes in it. But I'm just saying, Steve isn't here. We're not getting his side of the story. Where are you, girl? Your alibi isn't holding a ton of water for me. When they looked into him, I wasn't shocked. I mean, he was like, listen, I saw a mountain and I wanted to climb it. Cue music. Yeah. But I thought the exact same thing. He definitely was with a friend. And like, no, the, 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 his friend's name was Sam. He's not here either. He's Don't not worry here. About it. And Sam does confirm the story. And the sheriff tells us that there was a charge on Sam's credit card for gas during that trip. But the sheriff is like, that doesn't put Steve there. And you know what I mean? Like, I always say now gas yeah. stations are going to say, all of us because they always have the best surveillance video, but apparently not in 1998. <laughs> or in Wyoming. Right. Now, Christopher says that they're even with the alibi of the hike, he says that there are a couple of hours Steve can't account for. And I was like, hours? I know. I can't fucking account for 2008. But I like, think that... everyone calm down. That's the first thing that Sarah Koenig says at the beginning of Serial. <laughs> right. It's impossible yeah. to account for your time. But I don't think they're saying that in terms of like, he can't remember. Like, I was thinking, oh my god, what if you're Steve and you really did go on this hike and they're like, well, now that you can't prove it, we're going to say those are hours you can't account for. And you're like, but I right. was there, girl. I, I know. I, I know. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And so this is where, okay. This there was a, little... a moment that I was like, maybe Steve and his friend are secret boyfriends and they don't want us to know. Do you think, should we entertain that for a minute? You know what's awful about what you just said what? is that I didn't even think <laughs> about you going there. And that uh -huh. is on me. That is on you. Because I should have anticipated that. Maybe Steve and the friend I, were and playing I'm some. Actually dis I've disappointed myself. Yeah. I really have. Yeah. I should have seen that coming from a yeah. mile away. Little touchy, touchy, grabby, grabby. You know what I mean? Yeah. Run, don't walk to the nearest psychiatric facility <laughs> okay. and check yourself in for a nice, comfy, long stay. The fact that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, now oh. they review the 911 call. You guys, right. this is. I'm going to let you tell about it, but I just want to say it's bananas. When investigators review the 911 call Steve made the night Amy disappeared, they're puzzled by his seemingly lighthearted tone. Hi, this is Steve Bechtel calling. I'm, uh, I'm missing a person. And I was wondering if you maybe had an extra. 
I'm going to say something I think you're not going to expect what I'm about to say. What you going to say, sis? So I'm not defending husbands. I'm not defending anyone. I want all murders to get solved. However, I make sometimes jokes when I'm nervous. Like uh-huh. I get nervous and I say things to lighten the mood to make my own anxiety go away, to like squelch my own fears. Like it kind of reminded me of the Mitrice Richardson's mom case. Uh-huh. Remember where she was like, hi, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> and yeah. she was like keeping it light because I feel like keeping it light stops you from going to a panicky place. Like I make jokes so I don't cry. I make jokes to lighten a situation. And, and like I kind of don't get on board with that demeanor and I don't agree with demeanor demeanor evidence in general. I agree. And I I think that we've been told throughout this episode that he was panicking. He was frantic because she wasn't home yet. And then we hear the we hear the 911 call and he doesn't sound frantic at all. So maybe he yeah. actually wasn't and like ID is just taking artistic license with that or whatever. No, but he, I it, can it, see that. I and maybe it's just because I love the people in my life more than you love the people in your life. If Steve right. were like nine hours late for something and I was calling 911, I wouldn't be making jokes. Like I would not well, be making jokes yeah I could see that however I was actually just talking to Morgan today about this I get more angry and crazy and panicky at small things but in catastrophic moments I'm the person you want to be with yeah I have an odd and eerie calming catastrophic moments and I feel like I would have done the same fucking thing I doesn't make it right yeah it doesn't make it cool yeah but I see the reaction to that sort of well, I'll tell you what though never like not since the advent of true crime podcasts and like shows like this no one would do that now everyone is assuming that their 911 call is ending up on this fucking podcast <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> anyway I just they started talking about that and I was like oh I mean the Scott it's, Peterson of, yes. of it all like you know it, the lacking of emotion all that stuff I'm just saying I was fully prepared to rage when they set up that 911 call and then I didn't because I was like wait I would be weird like that but this is also coupled with his like strange behavior so they bring him in and this is the part I don't subscribe to because they bring him down to the station and they're like, it went from an interview to an interrogation. And I right. was like, you know, they're asking him to take a polygraph and he initially says that he will. And then they're making this like big deal out of the fact that he like ended the interview and got up and left and went and got a lawyer and didn't take the polygraph. And I'm like, this is actually a fine thing to do, you guys. Get up, yep. walk out, get a lawyer and don't take the polygraph and don't let any fucking cop make you feel weird about that. Never take I the polygraph. Totally agree. I wouldn't. I totally agree. Remember um, in the Britney Drexel case, that one promoter yeah. that they were like, he lawyered up. I'm like, of course of he course. fucking lawyered up. Of course. Well, that doesn't mean guilt to me. I totally agree. Yeah. So, But then the rest of it that we find out, like this guy's a fucking creep. The husband? Yeah. Well, okay. all right. Well, let's get into it. So, <laughs> You know how Ellen loves to defend husbands and men. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> when on my grave. They'll yeah. be like, Ellen Marie Marsh. Here she lies. She loved to defend men. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, you know, her relationship with Steve was very rocky. She uh, went where Steve wanted to go, lived where Steve wanted to live, and did what Steve wanted to do. That was not Amy. That was not the Amy that I grew up with. I was very observant of the fact that Steve was very much in control and that Amy was very compliant. So Brother Nell was like, our family had concerns. He said they had a rocky relationship, but I was like, 
weren't they like 24 and 27 and like fresh out of college and only had part-time jobs? Like, yeah, but he's seen the evidence. Like he tells a story about being over at her house once and like he and his wife saw bruises on her arms and they asked about it. And like the minute they ask about it, the air gets sucked out of the room and Steve, the husband, gets up and walks over behind her and puts his hands on her shoulders while she answers the question. Do you want to fully know what a horrible person I am? Uh-huh. I mean, I fully know. Well, she had bruises on her arms, but also remember when they said she tried rock climbing and she wasn't very good at it? Uh-huh. I was like, what if she just like fell rock? I don't know. But I wouldn't don't know. she just say that? Because she also, according to Nils, also at one point says, he gets rough with me sometimes. And yeah. then the day after his interrogation, the cops get a search warrant for his car and for the house, and they don't find anything. They, they don't find much of consequence, but they do find his diaries. And when they read the diaries, according to the cops and according to the family, because the cops share it with her family, it was full of writings about like what he thought about women, like abusive and violent behavior that he did, things that were very controlling specifically about Amy and we get Steve in an interview like with the local news being like no girl those were it just it wasn't the local news it was the Today, the Today show. show you're right you're right and he's like girl those were just song lyrics I was working on and short stories it was all fiction girl I mean I don't know listen Steve is not wavering on his innocence and on the Today Show, he was like, these cops were like super aggressive. Like he had an alibi, no motive. They searched his phone records. They show, I don't know. Like there have been guilty people who have gone on TV shows like that. I'm not saying if you go on national TV, you're innocent by uh-huh, any means. Uh-huh. But he did say that they were just like, uh, the FBI was like, we think it's you. <laughs> yeah, but like, he seems like not a great guy. If you were dating him or my sisters were dating him, I would not be happy about it. I would absolutely be dating him. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Does he have a Jeep? That's kind of all yeah. you need to know. <laughs> okay. Is he, is he super toxic? Yeah. Okay. Totally. Manipulative? Yeah. Yeah. That's a swipe Hot. right for me. That's a swipe right. Yeah. Ghost? Hill ghost? Yeah. Oh, fuck Yeah. They also say that, like, he might not be a great guy, but the evidence against him starts to crumble. And they're saying that, like, you know, his alibi sucks, but, you know, he said he got home at 4 o'clock, and the call logs actually do show that he was making calls from home at about 4 o'clock. The hiker who saw that truck that they were, like, driving erratically, blue truck like his, blonde girl in the passenger seat, she's unable to make a positive identification. So there is no strong evidence against him. And I don't really think he did this, but then all of a sudden he's, like, being a dick to her family. Like, I just don't fucking like this guy. Well, I it's so fun. This is so funny that I'm like completely opposite. You're like because well, like let, okay, let's well, I love that you're like let's really think about the bruises on the arm that she said he was rough with her and that's how they happened. I let's let's not believe her. Ellen Mars did a lot of side Don't believe women. I know. Don't believe them. I know. Yeah. Don't <laughs> believe them. Someone make a t-shirt. Yeah. No, here's the thing. Who knows you better, me or your mom? You, for sure. It's a little, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's a little weird. So Todd and Amy went on record saying, we actually saw the inner workings of their relationship all the time, and they were lovely people. You know what, like, though? That doesn't say anything, because, like, there's a podcast I just listened to the whole thing. It's called Believe Her. Go listen to it. It's fucking amazing. And this woman killed her fucking abusive husband and then went to prison, and she got, like, a 30-year sentence. And everyone who knew them was like, they were the perfect couple. 
people. They were amazing. And he yeah, was no, abusing yeah, right. her and yeah. torturing her and no one saw it, you know? And I'm yeah. just saying... No, you're right. I- like, when a woman has bruises on her arms and it's like, he gets rough with me, but then, like, doesn't elaborate on it, like, I don't know. I believe the women. Like, I do too. Don't say I don't. I'm just <laughs> playing devil's do. advocate. So, Steve and his, and his climbing friends said they print out tens of thousands yeah. of posters. They do their own search party. They collect money for a reward. They get money. They get $10,000 for a reward, and that brings in tons of leads, which, gross. I yeah. fucking hate that. Two months later, remember that 10K run she was organizing? Yeah. The one that she was mapping out? They did it as a benefit for the search efforts, and that was all done by, you know, maybe gross husband Steve and all of the, the hiker friends. So 150 runners take part, which is like 39% of the population in that town, <laughs> and Steve talks to everyone at the run, and he's like, we haven't lost faith. We're going to go see her. They show footage of all the runners. Their fam- it, it was a very, very beautiful thing. He talks it was to kind of- everybody there except for her family. Like, her family is there, and they say he wouldn't talk to us, and after that, he cut off all communication with us, which is just like, and I guess maybe his lawyer told him to do that. Like, if it was like, they think you did it, they think you were abusing her, and he's like, I wasn't. But like, I just can't imagine a world in which it's like, we're in the same place doing the same charity event that your daughter and my wife were like to be in the same place and not talk to each other is very I don't know it seems not suspicious it just seems dickish you know what I mean I was just at my cousin Tommy's wedding in the summer and I can't stand one of my aunts and we had a huge falling out and we sat at the same table and ignored each but other that you, but like that wasn't your mother or your wife it was brilliantly wife. Italian yeah I'm just saying that wasn't your mother or your wife or your daughter you know what I mean if you fucking challenged me to an ignore off with my ex-mother-in-law like we would literally be standing on the podium collecting the gold together we are that fucking crazy i do not understand who you are today this is so weird you are taking all of the weirdest sides in this i don't get it because i genuinely think i know who did it i don't think he did it i just like what i keep saying is i think he's being an asshole you know what i mean i think that like if your wife's mom is in the same vicinity as you and the wife is missing it doesn't make any sense to like ice those people out that's all i'm saying unless they said you fucking murdered our daughter where is she and you're Uh like i did it (laughs) like like how many okay now i'm gonna ignore you now i'm ignoring you because you just called me a murderer 37 times on this goddamn mountain (laughs) i'm ignoring them no they called me a murderer i'm ignoring them (laughs) can you guys work it out no 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 no, not this one i don't know i know he didn't do it that's probably why and like maybe he was a okay listen maybe he was an asshole Uh maybe he was a bad boyfriend maybe he was a bad dude they were married loads of people are married to assholes right i'm just raise your hand if you were married to an asshole Uh, my point is that i'm not okay we need to move on so this is the ragiest i know i know i know investigators are also frustrated by steve's refusal to be interviewed again and by what they see as a growing lack of cooperation among steve's rock climbing friends the climbing community uh, in an admirable way are a very close-knit community they do anything for each other they knitted themselves together and became very protective of steve 
the rock climbing community I love I love whenever we find like a random community the rock climbing community that we know nothing about that we know nothing about rallies around Steve they stonewall the cops too this is where we learn this is bananas that at the exact day and time that Amy went missing a Russian satellite was orbiting over America and was literally taking pictures of the road she went missing from on the day she went missing to which I said is Russia just allowed to take pictures of America whenever they want to? Where should we go today? I'm thinking Wyoming. That sounds like a good plan. So, like, the family has to request permission from the fucking Kremlin or whatever to get pictures of that day. Takes forever. So, yeah, but when they finally do get the images from the Russian satellite, you guys, it was a cloudy day and they weren't, there was no usable images. We have no pictures, these clouds. (laughs) Just clouds there. We cannot see in Wyoming. Where is Wyoming? Ask Chubby Podcaster where my Wyoming is. I don't know, Russia. I'm so sorry. I can't help you. Thank you for your vodka, though. Anyway, that's such a blow to the family. And in February, they go national on the Geraldo show. Excuse I forget. Me. Do we hate Geraldo? Yes, Geraldo is garbage. Wait, but isn't Geraldo like the best out of the garbage people? No, because he, Geraldo like... is like conservative garbage trash. He's the worst. But they go I on the Geraldo show and it's like a good platform for them. Geraldo appeals to Steve directly to the camera and he's like girl can you please go take that polygraph test yeah Christopher- and I just imagine Steve on his couch being like not doing that no. and Christopher tells us that does not move Steve to go take the polygraph test but they do get like a lot of publicity and more leads they get coverage in People Magazine but like nothing comes of it uh, yeah they get a bunch of fake leads which always like breaks my heart I'm sure like if you went missing yeah. and they were like we have a lead you know it's it's a guy on top of a mountain I'm like I know it's not him right. but I'm gonna go to the mountain anyway. I know. Like, it's all these fake leads, and it's not Amy. Two years later, another unsolved Wyoming case breaks open, and with it comes the possibility that the perpetrator could be linked to Amy's disappearance. In April 2003, a welder named Dale Eaton is arrested for the 1988 abduction, rape, and slaying of 18-year-old Lisa Marie Kimmel. Kimmel disappeared while driving through Wyoming, and her body was later found in a river near Casper. Authorities believe Eaton may be responsible for more than just one murder. This is where a weird, like, little turn comes. It's April 2003, and a weird guy by the name of Dale Eaton is arrested for another murder nearby in Wyoming. These parts of these episodes are so weird, where we get a whole other disappearance slash murder story, like, towards the end of one of these episodes that should be its own episode, and they give it to us as, like, an aside. But basically, like... super weird. Yeah, he was, like, convicted for the rape, murder, and slaying of an 18-year-old woman named Lisa Marie Kimmel. We learn about this guy, Dale Eaton, who was like in the area of Wyoming the day that Amy went missing. And they think that maybe he was responsible for her murder and abduction too. But like they go on and on for like 10 minutes and he never talks. We never get any information about whether he, like we know he was in the same area. We know he's like a rapist and a murderer, but we have no information about whether he actually did this. Right. And I did some side googing. Apparently they, it said that they called him the so-called Great Basin Killer 
And his brother attests that he was in the Lander area at the time that Amy went missing. And they kind of speculate that it could be him. He became a person of interest and nothing really comes of that. And so in June 2004, seven years after Amy's disappearance, Steve had Amy declared legally dead in order to remarry. Which I was saying, like, is that the only way he could remarry? Because the family's not happy about this. And it's like, it seems like if he had to do that because he wanted to get remarried, then it's only fair that he should be able to. There should be a loophole. You know what I mean? You shouldn't need to do that. And in fact, I think in most states, after seven years, the person is officially declared legally dead. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't know. That just seems like a very... It seems like a weird law if the law is that you have to have her declared legally dead in order to get remarried. So the family is upset, but Mama Joanne does something really beautiful. She takes the reward money and she transfers it into an athletic scholarship to the University of Wyoming in her name, which was absolutely beautiful. And then we're fast forwarding to September 2011. Now this case is 15 years old and the new Fremont Sheriff, Detective John Zariga, sort of reignites the case and follows all the leads and theories and he himself was like I think we wasted a lot of time being hyper focused (laughs) on the husband yes yeah and then this is why I think the whole demeanor thing is so weird because Steve the husband once he was like approached by the new detective John Zariga he's like yeah I'll talk you have a better attitude than everyone else and he opened up and talked and like answered all the questions and sat him down and John Zariga was like I mean he was super cooperative to me and that's how it ends like it ends with no information did you goog and find info well I looked up Steve Bechtel now and Steve Bechtel is the founder of an organization called Climb Strong he's a coach he's an inspirational speaker he's a podcaster he's an author he's been like important in developing like climbing all around the region but if you google him on his Wikipedia page it says word for word Bechtel is considered a prime suspect in the unsolved disappearance of his first wife Amy Rowe Bechtel which is just like like, wow My whole thing is like, can you imagine if you didn't do it? He's like, but I was mountain climbing that day and I have no way to prove it. You know what I mean? Like, imagine they were in the truck and the friend was like, I got to get gas. Can I use your credit card? He's like, no, bro, you got to pay for it. So the friend uses his credit card instead of Steve's. And if that hadn't happened, then we wouldn't be here. No, it's wild. Listen, you know, I feel like it was probably that serial killer. That's what I feel. This will be the first time I go on record of being like, I actually don't think. That dude might not have been a good husband. Who actually fucking knows? But I watched a lot of interviews with him. Uh-huh. <laughs> he seems like a stand-up dude. Am I a monster? Do no. you all hate me? Have I lost my touch? <laughs> so Amy's case remains unsolved today. And they do suspect foul play. So if you do have any information as to the disappearance of Amy Bechtel, please contact the Fremont County Sheriff's Office at 307 332 Five six one one. Uh, I don't know who I am today. I apparently <laughs> I love men and I think women are horrible. Say something funny. Listen, your boy Steve Bechtel definitely pees with the toilet seat down, and his pubes are all over that bathroom. <laughs> bow, bow, bow. 
You guys, if you want more Ellen and me, join us on the Patreon. Every month you get three full ad-free bonus episodes. You get our close friend circle on the Instagram. You get ad-free versions of these episodes. First crack at our merch. First crack at our live shows. We just decided when we go back out next year what we're going to do for our live show. And it's going to knock your socks off. Don't tell them. I'm not going to tell them. <laughs> I'm not telling them, but it's going to be amazing. Follow us on the Disappeared Pod on Instagram. You can follow me at Ellen Marsh. Don't forget I spell my name with a Y. Yeah. Patrick Hines underscore on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. We love interacting with our community. I just want to say it's really worth following us on the Instagram because there are days that we really do go bananas in the stories where we just like pick on each other back and forth on the stories all day long. It's worth a follow, you guys. It's for sure worth a follow. We probably gain some followers and lose some followers. (laughs) They're probably like, can they (laughs) shut their traps for five seconds? Oh, and if you want to like join in the conversation, join our Facebook group. It's Obsessed with Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. Go get in there. And we love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Hold on. My, my cat literally just opened the door. Hold on one second. Okay. This guy, Todd, apparently is famous. And Steve becomes like a trusted member of Todd's climbing team. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Do, is that is that the end of the story? Yeah. So by 97, <laughs> Amy... A month passes. Nothing. They increase the... Uh, the they increase... Wait, what? <laughs> um, I well, also... You could, you could put this in the outtakes if you want. But I also went down uh, a statistics rabbit hole. And do you know which state has the most fatal occupational injuries per worker total? Pennsylvania. Alaska. Oh, interesting. I would have thought like Pennsylvania together. for like all the coal mining or something. Yeah. Oh, good call. I, I looked that up for absolutely no reason. So... The... Uh, it's the disappeared. What is our Facebook group called? <laughs> Who knows? No one. Th- they're at the end. No one's listening. But did you like? Did you like my Africa story? 